and welcome to our latest Navigator podcast where we reflect on the recent quarterly update of the various services. My name's Russell Afifi and I'm joined again by John Paul Zamet of our cross-border unit and my Navigator colleague Naomi Annabel. Hello Russell. Hello Russell. So Russell, let's dive straight into a key development at the beginning of August with the implementation deadline of the Cross-Border Distribution of Funds Directive or CBDF. What's the latest on that from a navigator perspective? Well, Naomi, the headline position was that member states had to transpose the CBDF directive into national law by the 2nd of August 2021, like a harmonised definition of pre-marketing, with provisions of the CBDF regulation also becoming effective on the same date, like requirements around marketing communications. However, only nine jurisdictions by the end of August had implemented locally. Wow, so that sounds like there's been a bit of a delay. Indeed there has. So what we've done for Navigator subscribers is to really enhance our CBDF tracker, which is available for free on the Europe Funds homepage as a key link, and now covers even more topics, including any email addresses to send pre-marketing notifications to, specific language requirements for marketing communications or facilities available to retail investors, and collective redress mechanisms for bringing group actions. That's some quite granular detail. Yes, it is, and it reflects what lots of our clients are wanting to know, so we thought it was essential to widen the scope of the document. That doesn't necessarily mean particular guidance is available in some of the jurisdictions, as the majority had only got draft laws published, and we still had Greece, Iceland and Malta without even having published a draft. So for that reason, we've added a headnote to the main Navigator Funds documents linking subscribers to the CBDF tracker so they can access the latest info. And JP, what's the significance of the CBDF from a cross-border client perspective? Certainly what has changed is that pre-marketing was generally an unregulated space in the EA and is now regulated at least for EUA funds. As the tracker covers, we've been particularly interested in local code plating and a big issue is extending pre-marketing requirements to non-EUA firms, which has happened in countries like Finland, Germany, Luxembourg, the Netherlands and Sweden. And moving on to other things, New Russell, I think you've changed the Navigator Council. Correct. We made the transition to a new Kuwaiti Council as well as in Thailand. And whilst there were only minor changes for Q8 with old Hossam Legal, new Thai Council, Hunt and Andrews Kurth, have added an investment advice licensing exemption of 15 investors in 12 months and an additional private placement exemption for BART-denominated bonds issued to institutional investors as a whole or up to 10 investors of any category for over four months. Naomi, throwing this back to you, in a similar vein, didn't you see licensing and marketing updates for Mauritius? Yes, that's right, JP. A change in law saw, for example, the broadening of the licensing and marketing exemption for sophisticated investors, which now includes various funds and self-certifying investors with certain net worth or assets under management. In addition, the use of a locally licensed intermediary is no longer required to sell to such investors. But to keep on private placement, what was the theme Navigator saw for amendments to marketing? Well, there are a few updates which were similarly about widening existing private placement regimes. There was Russia with the expansion of qualified investors and Malaysia with the enhanced high net worth investor and sophisticated investor exemptions, as well as Taiwan, which is a funds only change, which will be available soon, being the enhancement of the PPE for non-securities funds, 
now being possible to high net worth entities and up to 99 high asset customers, which have particular definitions and are in addition to the existing professional institutional investor category. Well, hopefully this freeing up of the market will continue. JP, I know you asked about developments in the UAE at the last update cycle. What can you tell us about the new SCA rulebook? Well, our colleagues are still working on this, but the initial understanding is that qualified investor definition is being replaced with a more expansive professional investor definition. It appears, however, that the licensing exemption for professional investors may only apply to the promotion of financial products and not the provision of financial services. But our colleagues are liaising with the local regulator about this and will be updating the materials once the precise impact is more clear. Thanks, JP. So we'll continue to watch this space as this is always a key jurisdiction for our subscribers. But Naomi, staying in the region, what's happened regarding derivatives in the DIFC? Well, following a conduct of business rule change only last month, information's now been included in the matrix on specifically defined restricted speculative investments and additional requirements that apply in relation to such foreign products. For example, the provider has to be regulated in its home jurisdiction and has to find certain conditions, including that it's carried out an appropriate assessment of the potential client and that it provides the client with the necessary risk warnings. And Russell, moving services to banking, were there any significant updates this quarter? Yes, there was movement in the Bahamas where we saw refinement to the tolerated market practice for reverse solicitation. But this doesn't avoid the licensing requirement, no? No, that was the practice, but it's now shifted so that an approach by a professional client on an unsolicited and specific basis will avoid triggering licensing in relation to deposit taking, guarantees and commitments and payment services, as well as primary lending. So that will be a helpful development for some of our users. Um, and one that subscribers to our lending service should be, should be aware of is also Guyana. On a strict reading of the definitions, factoring and invoice discounting do remain unregulated. However, Council have now recommended a much more cautious approach as adopted when carrying out these activities. For example, they should rely on one of the exemptions to primary lending or they should rely on unsolicited business as they're seeing that the, uh, the local leg regulator is, is um, carrying out much more enforcement action with respect to such activities. Interesting, Naomi. We find sometimes that enforcement activity from a regulator can impact on the feasibility of particular jurisdictions. Has anything changed in terms of effects restrictions? Yes, we've included effects restrictions in the Cook Islands and there have been further amendments in Argentina and the Philippines, where, for example, central bank approval is not required for transactions up to $500,000 for, for individuals or $1 million for corporations, and that's USD. Um, the Cook Islands isn't a jurisdiction that was covered in funds. Is this new to the service? Well, spotted Naomi, yes, we've added this and Honduras to the fund service, as well as Honduras and El Salvador to derivatives and Guatemala for corporate finance. So interested subscribers can add these to their packages at any time by contacting navigator at simmons-simmons.com. To finish off, Russell, what's coming down the line in terms of future developments? In Australia, feedbacks currently being considered from the consultation in relation to restoring regulatory relief for so-called FFSPs. In Costa Rica, for both licensing and private placement, the PPE will be enhanced very soon, where the current 50 investor limit will remain with modification. 
that there will also be a new exemption for a minimum subscription threshold of 100,000 US dollars. And also not to forget Iceland where PSD2 will be implemented during November. That's great to mention that Iceland finally also implemented various EU directives and regulations like MIFID 2, EMIR, MAR, PRIPS and USITS 5. That's right. And we've also clarified that the new MIFID legal basis to rely on reverse inquiries applies to EEA entities as well as non-EEA based on council's interpretation and discussions with the local regulator. Is there anything else worth mentioning for subscribers? We'll be continuing our council podcast series soon, so keep an eye out for the invite and also let us know if there are any particular jurisdictions you'd like to see showcased. And we'll also be starting a sales and marketing podcast later in December involving our relationship manager, Kaylee Gowan-Smith. So more things to look forward to then. Indeed there are. So we've reached the end. My thanks go to JP and Naomi for joining me on this podcast and we'll speak to you all again soon.